This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. You know, guys, it seems like every week before we go on the air... There's some kind of major news breaking either that day or the day before. And man, oh man, do we have some stuff to talk about tonight on episode 97 of Top Rope Nation. Thanks for joining us. My name is Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com, joined as always by Kyle Ross and Justin Joint, here to break down all the latest, including Lars Sullivan's being a gigantic piece of trash large they call him large sullivan's large sullivan uh the aew television deal that is about to be made official next week we're gonna lead off with that one here in just a second uh wwe television which has been lacking inspiration in recent weeks and we got to get some thoughts in on this week's dark side of the ring viceland documentary so let me throw it out kyle ross how is your week going this week thank you for joining us as always kyle that was one of your better show intros, if I don't say so myself. That was probably Very, my least prepared one, too. Well, what did we learn? Um, something else I learned, by the way, today is by the time this podcast drops, uh, there is a 36.5% chance that Biggie Langston will have slept with Becky Lynch's mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you oh man. He's made uh, Becky Lynch's mom his, his like header photo on Twitter, I think I saw. Okay, by the way, <laughs> that stuff's been very funny, but equally as funny for me, I thought was, did you see like Jr. jump in? No, on this Jim Ross, who's like, oh yeah, I can see the resemblance. Your mom's uh, not bad looking, and, and oh no, oh no, it gets it gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse before it gets better. And then he hits Becky with a, my God, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Oh, that's Be- bad. Becky fires back with Easy Tiger. <laughs> I was in tears at that one. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> like, like I was like, it's so great that like Becky was able to like have fun with like you know the thought of like Big E having sex with her mom, but like <laughs> Jr. just makes like what a, a comment, and it's he, he gets he gets the he gets the stiff arm. <laughs> Speaking of Becky Lynch and the Irish, a fun-loving Irish man that I know, Mr. Justin Joint across town. Justin, how's it going this week? Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspurs. <laughs> going Justin, to the Champions wow. League final, baby. I knew you would be in a good mood over that. Yeah, even though my Celtics uh, shit the bed for the fourth straight game yesterday. It was a, a very up-and-down sports day for me yesterday. 
Yeah. But, well, but the, the highs far out, out peaked the lows. I was going to say, when you got that kind of a high, that kind of overshadows everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good day. So it's Kyrie it, leaving. It, Kyrie going to leave. What do you think? Um, I will, I will happily drive him to the airport. <laughs> I am so freaking over that guy. I don't yeah. want to give him a huge contract and have him around anymore. Unless the only way is if uh, we've somehow got Durant or Davis. Mm-hmm. The, and that's only because he the one thing he has shown this year is that he is not a number one guy. He is a number two guy. So unless we can get a number one guy, I, I will show Kyrie the door. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I, I think Kyle would probably agree with pretty much everything you said there about his former Cleveland Cavalier. You know, it's it's funny, LeBron and Kyrie, all this talk about, oh, what it would be like to play together, and I just sit there and think, man, it would, it's crazy if they ever had the chance to play together with one another. That's <laughs> that'd be that'd be crazy if that would ever happen. Oh wait, it did. <laughs> it is once again the moral of the story for the several of you that care came here for NBA talk. Um, you know, once again, I like, I like changing it up here and there. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. But uh, the life lesson once again is that Cavs owner Dan Gilbert is one hundred and seventy three and a half percent cow dung. <laughs> Just hideous, hideous. He, he he's about as bad as the second half of Game of Thrones on Sunday. Oh, I like Game know. of Thrones. I thought it was a Sunday. good episode. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, did, I didn't like the big one two weeks ago. I liked yeah. the one. Okay. I, my only problem was the Cersei and uh, Danny meet up at the end. I thought that was dumb. Okay, yeah, because a lot of it wasn't very logical. I mean, Cersei should have just killed them all right there. There's yeah. no reason for her not to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Game of Thrones spoilers. <laughs> Sorry if you haven't watched it yet, but if you haven't watched it yet, there's like no way who, it has been yeah. spoiled. Who that, more, that honestly is not that big of a spoiler, I guess. Who gets who gets more fired up, Game of Thrones spoiler guy or wrestling spoiler guy? Oh, wrestling spoiler guy, for sure. I mean, whenever we're live tweeting a pay-per-view or something, we always get some random-ass guy jumping in there like, oh, I'm trying to watch this. What's... Warn us with the spoilers. It's like, why are you on social media then? Yes, Makes that's no a great sense. point. That's a great point. Yeah, if you don't want to be spoiled, you probably should stay off social media. Or the bigger, I guess the bigger example is over on Comic Book when we we post articles with raw results or pay-per-view results. There's always people in the comments like, why does your headline have who won the match in it? It's like, why are you on Facebook? <laughs> what are you thinking? Want to know so. something, spoiler guy? Sometimes I actually read the results and then watch the program. Gives you, in my opinion, when you know, gets you that better evaluation process. You know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's NXT TV pretty much all the time. So yeah, yeah. Believe you know it or not, guys, there was a time when Raw was taped. Yeah, <laughs> and we knew what was happening. And SmackDown was taped every week. So yeah, remember when Mick Foley won the title on a tape Raw, and that sucked. Oh yeah, there you go. Maybe Everyone tuned in, anyways. Uh, guys, before we go any further, uh, we got to read. Off, I'm going to read off a review because we got a new review this week. I'm pull that up on my phone as I'm talking. I'm going to multitask here. But if you are listening on iTunes, hit the subscribe button. If you're on iTunes or Apple Media, whatever, uh, the podcast app on your iPhone, scroll down to the bottom of our show page, hit the five star review. Helps us out a lot. Let's us, ha- uh, you know, kind of rank a little bit higher when uh, people are searching for the wrestling podcast and we get in front of more eyes greatly appreciate that if you're listening on stitcher radio spotify tune in google play wherever podcasts are found subscribe 
You'll hear us each and every week. Never miss an episode. Uh, this week, we had a new review come in on Friday night. And so if you leave an actual text review, we'll read it on the air. So this is from iTunes. This is from Ninhead, who left us a five-star review. It says, the heading is A Triumph. Never before has a show woven Ace Ventura references so seamlessly into the tapestry of a thinking, thinking man's wrestling podcast. This podcast will save your life. Thank you very much, Ninhead. Fantastic review. That's right up there in the upper upper tier of all reviews ever left for this podcast. Nin, is it N-I-N? I wonder if that's Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, probably. The, the, the I and the second N are not capitalized, but oh, Ninhead. I could be wrong then. Never but mind. I think I think that makes sense though. Well, I could pretty be. hate machine. Oh hey, whoever you are, we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review. Thanks a lot. And hey, if you really support the show and you want to join us each and every week as we record live, there is an exclusive video stream of us going on right now over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash top rope nation for one dollar a month, one measly dollar a month. You can join us every week. As we record live, you can be a fly in the wall, hear all of our stream of consciousness as we record. You get the unedited show before the general public, uh, because usually when I go back and I listen to the recording, sometimes I have to cut out a few things. You'll get it all. You'll get that exclusive video stream, and uh, the general public does not get that. All for $1 a month, $5 a month gets, a, gets you exclusive shows, gets you access to our show notes each and every week, which I'm scrolling through right now on my iPad as we record. So if you want to see what our format sheet looks like every single week, head on over to Patreon. I appreciate your support. So the biggest story going on right now, because this just broke today as we record on Thursday, uh, it's kind of been the rumor for a while, but it uh, looks like all, all Elite Wrestling will be on the Turner Networks, and the report says TNT starting in the fall. We don't have a exact date yet, but Turner is presenting their upfronts for advertisers next Wednesday. I think it's at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, um, real and, kick in the ass to Vince. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> the biggest competition he's had since WCW went out of business as far as like the financial backing of another wrestling company, AEW. I guess they're set to present this and announce it next Wednesday around 10 o'clock in the morning. I guess that would be Eastern time. And uh, TNT. So that's interesting because with the NBA, we've talked about this before, the NBA on Tuesday and Thursday uh not sure how they're going to do i mean is wednesday night the night they're going to present it because smackdown is moving to friday i don't think they're going to go head to head with raw so i mean you guys have any thoughts on what day this might be kyle well if it's on tnt i mean the playoff wise you know it's a lot different now than it was in uh nitro's heyday i mean nitro would get preempted Uh, you know i was just listening ironically enough the guys over between the sheets were doing like a night like redoing like a whatever the week that was for uh, this is for 97 and like nitro was preempted to one hour this week because of the basketball playoffs. But what's interesting is back then they didn't have playoff games on every night. I don't think over no. 20 years ago, did they, that's like more of a recent thing where like every playoff game is always on TV. I feel so like this time of year, you guys know, I mean, hell, we just, you know, spent a couple minutes in the opening talking about the NBA. There's, basketball on every night now it's not always on tnt um some nights it's on espn so yeah it'll be interesting i don't know if there is a concrete way to navigate the nba playoff schedule for them but you know just get the they'll take just getting on i think i don't oh, think yeah. the nba playoffs are their biggest concern right now 
Yeah. Uh, Justin, what is your anticipation level for the launch of AEW? I mean, sometimes sometimes we like to joke around about the non-WWE company. We all want to see another company succeed. And uh, yeah, I mean, so I've, I've, I've heard some criticism of our show that we're too positive on WWE sometimes. But uh, oh, I think, I think we're negative. Sake. I think we're negative on WWE when they deserve it. I think we're going to be pretty negative on them tonight. Uh, who wouldn't want another viable wrestling company? So, I mean, Justin, what's your anticipation level? Well, beans that I'm currently on strike for watching WWE uh, on Mondays and Tuesdays, uh, I am stoked for a AEW. In fact, I hope when they announce from MSG, it's that the show is going to be on Mondays opposite Raw, and the show is going to be called Well Done. <laughs> uh, I, I'm excited because it, it's something new for us wrestling fans, and you know more than anything hopefully it lights a fire under wwe's ass to get them uh writing some good television or or something something to more than what they're doing right now i did not know you were on a wwe strike yeah it started last week okay I'm de- until they start until i start hearing good things uh or interesting things i i'm out well that's why we have interesting the podcast <laughs> well that's why we have the kyle ross i love the sport match of the week where we can talk classic wrestling coming up later in this very broadcast uh mm-hmm. we'll talk about last week's recommendation too but uh hey wwe network it always comes in handy if you want to not watch the current product i guess but uh, the award-winning wwe network by the way. <laughs> yeah that's that's um, what that's what i've been going to yeah we, we should be uh we should be we should point out uh that according to the report from therap.com, that is W-R-A-P, uh, financial details are not expected to be released here. So we don't know um, what they're being paid, if they're being, I mean, we presume they're getting, AEW's getting money, but we're not going to know details because they don't have to. They're not a publicly traded company like WWE. Yeah. Well, I would say I am I'm ready for this because it's just been so lackluster in recent weeks with WWE pretty much since WrestleMania. There's not much to look forward to. The shows just feel like they're just out there and nothing's nothing really important's happening and it, it's hard to get motivated to watch the shows and I think the ratings reflect that. So, yeah, I think the business in general just needs some excitement injected into it and this is definitely going to bring that. Now, we're not going to have their weekly show until the fall but their first show ever double or nothing's coming up here in a few weeks and that's another interesting point because we don't even know where we're going to be able to watch that at they haven't announced any broadcasting information so that makes you wonder if that's going to be tied in with the television announcement i would Uh, assume it's going to be i mean you can't wait too much longer i mean what there's no chance that like tnt would broadcast this now is there and then and then start the weekly show later on you would think they want to monetize it with pay-per-view yeah i mean there's a chance but i don't think that's going to happen i mean i suppose that'd be a way to get some excitement behind it but then uh, what do you say and then their weekly show starts in five months (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know that's that's a little bit of an issue but i mean i'm I'm definitely gonna watch double or nothing live i'm looking forward to it but uh yeah i have no idea how i'm gonna be watching it so to wait and see on that uh, any closing comments on that situation, guys, before we move on? No, not really. You hit it. I mean, you know, if even if like you're just you don't really care that much about AEW, this is a great thing in the sense that a it's just more big time jobs in the industry for the performers. That's a good thing. And two, kind of like Justin was alluding to the 
lighting the proverbial fire under Vince's ass, you would hope that this would cause him, um, depending what AEW does and what their television show looks like, um, him to reevaluate his own product because as we're about to get into in a little bit, uh, their TV does need a drastic overhaul. They meeting WWE. I, I think by default, it's already going to be the most exciting wrestling program and TV. The minute it debuts, just because by default, everything's going to be fresh. Everything they present is going to be fresh because it's a brand new company. So at least for a little while, it's going to have the newness factor to it. And yeah. uh, it's gonna, be, you have to do something. Yeah. Know. But for a little while, they'll just by default have this excitement behind it because it's brand new. But yeah, that that will wear off eventually and they'll have to have something new and, and a reason to get you to tune in each and every week. But I think with AEW, there's nothing to dislike about them so far. I mean, they've been uh, like their guys have been accessible. Tony Khan does the interview with Chris Van Vliet, you know. Uh, on YouTube, which was an awesome watch. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Uh, we know that like Cody and the Bucks and Omega, they they are very fan-friendly. The organization has been very fan-friendly. Uh, what they're doing for the business as far as, you know, supposedly the benefits they're providing their, their workers with health insurance, uh, the fact that they're going to have a lighter touring schedule for the benefit of their wrestlers' health, all these things are like advancements for the wrestling industry. And so I, there's really nothing to dislike at this point. I think it's been mostly positive. I mean, really, the whole key is, look, we know that they can cater and entertain a certain percentage of people, right? Like the wrestling hardcores. There is a built-in audience that already exists for this that likes the product and is going to like the product, and they know how to please those people, Okay. Just doing that isn't enough, though. They've got to grow the business. I mean, that's the whole key. You've got to bring in other people, whether it be lapsed fans, whether siphoning away the WWE audience, uh, or new fans altogether. You got to do that. I mean, you just can't. I mean, while it's impressive what they've been able to do with no television, you it's obviously, you know, this seems, you know, very obvious. You've got to grow the business. Mm-hmm. Just just catering to your existing fan base is not enough. Yeah, I think their advertising for the television program on Turner should have like kind of a at least some of the campaigns should have kind of a nostalgic flair to them because so many wrestling fans that grew up at the time that we did in the 80s and 90s associate pro wrestling with TBS and TNT. And it's such a cool thing to even think about wrestling being on those channels again. Uh, like I never thought we'd see wrestling on those networks. I've thought about it many times over the years and just the nostalgic feel of seeing pro wrestling on the Turner networks again is so cool. Then there's so many lapsed fans out there that tuned out the minute WCW went out of business. I think they should take out ads uh, with some kind of flair about, you know, wrestling returns to TNT and somehow try to draw in those lapsed fans with a ca- an ad campaign about just the fact that it's pro wrestling on TNT again. That's going to get people interested, I think, yeah. because it'll make them think about the 90s. Yeah. I mean, well, and even before the 90s. I mean, Meltzer's written about this extensively, and it's something that I think non-wrestling fans don't understand at all, is that there was this huge portion of the wrestling fan base that once WCW shut its doors... And even before that, as they were going downhill, just stopped watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. They did not gravitate towards the WWE product. They grew up not really liking the WWE product. They liked WCW. 
you know, going all the way back to the Crockett days, that was the kind of wrestling they liked. And, you know, they didn't want to like the WWE and they didn't like the direction it was going, believe it or not, in the Attitude Era. As much as the Attitude Era is, is you know, put on such a pedestal, there, you know, were people who still wanted WCW to win that war. And once WCW closed its doors, the wrestling audience shrunk and it, you know, has continued to shrink, quite frankly, despite the fact that the audience left right now there is willing to pay a lot of more dollars than fans have ever been able to ever been willing to pay before. Well, I I just hope that they bring back uh, like numerous vacated titles. That's all I want. More, more championships need to be vacated. (laughs) Wasn't, wasn't there some rumors about them bringing back some WCW show names? Cause I would have assumed WWE had trademarked all those. But, I uh, think they did go after WWE. And by the way, that Justin comment was a reference to a text that we had about when we were talking <laughs> about w, we were talking about the last few years of WCW and the ridiculous amounts of yeah. titles. But no, I think WWE late in the fall did actually trademark a bunch of stuff. Didn't they like trademark Halloween Havoc and stuff? Yeah, or, I think so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, now, by the way, that YouTube video you referenced in our text thread with all the WCW title changes, like 91 on or whatever it is, yeah. that's popped up in my recommended feed on YouTube <laughs> so many times. Dude, like, you got to watch it. The minute you said that, I was like, oh my God, how many times have I seen that in my YouTube feed? And I haven't watched it yet, but I knew exactly what you were talking yeah, was, about. Uh, for, for everybody at home, I, I was letting these guys know in our text thread that like, uh, in the span of two years... Uh, the top two titles in WCW were vacated a total of 15 times. <laughs> and Shawn Michaels didn't even work for the company. <laughs> Nobody lost their smile in, in two years. It's crazy. Yeah, that is nuts. By the way, if you're over at YouTube, subscribe to us on YouTube. All of our podcasts are there as well. I forgot to mention that a little bit ago. YouTube.com slash Top Rope Nation. There's also some exclusive content there that you won't find on our podcast feeds, um, as well as once in a while, we'll do some live video casts that go out to the world that aren't Patreon exclusive. Uh, we did one after uh, after WrestleMania, so you can check that out as well. Um, but uh, I was thinking a second ago, and this is going to be a good segue, when uh, you were mentioning that even in the Attitude Era, Kyle, there were some fans that just didn't want to switch over to WWE because that wasn't the kind of wrestling they liked. It was, I I mean, I even had friends as a teenager in the late nineties, when you think everyone would be watching the attitude era, uh, WWF, because it was so risque and everything. I had friends, believe it or not, there were huge holdouts on it saying, no, WWF is just too trashy. I don't want to watch It's too trashy. Look what they're doing. They preferred wrestlers with the name of General Erection. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, now hold on. That was like Russo killed that audience because yeah. Russo basically just slapped a WWE coat of paint on WCW, which was the completely wrong move. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, that that was a huge misread of what that fan base wanted. But like, I like got guys who were a couple of years older than me. I remember in college, like I was a. I want to say I was a freshman or sophomore. I hung out a couple times over these guys, these upperclassmen's place. Halloween, they were like, they would order the WCW pay-per-views. I remember I watched like Halloween Havoc 98 over there, which what a disaster that was. But <laughs> um, in more ways than one, but that's a different podcast for a different day. But, you know, I mean, the, yeah, there were. I mean, you know, I mean, that narrative has kind of been written out, but it's true. Yeah. 
Well, the reason I said that that would be a good segue, trashy product, is because we're about to talk about trashy Lars Sullivan on this broadcast and everything. Well, this actually came out a couple months ago, but it had some new steam behind it this week with this story um, with Lars Sullivan and the comprehensive list of all of his racist, sexist, homophobic comments that he has posted in the past before he was in WWE um, on the bodybuilding.com message board is where most of this originates. And if you haven't seen it on Reddit, the squared circle subreddit, there is an entire thread where someone has just made a comprehensive list of all of his horrible, horrible takes that he has had over the years. Screenshots. um, I should say alleged, allegedly, Lars Sullivan, but uh, the the user that is behind all these posts at one point did post a picture, and uh, it's clearly the guy who is Lars Sullivan right now in the WWE. But uh, that's our confirmation; it's him. And Big E all but confirmed it himself. We thought we were joking about Big E, who by the way has been very active. I don't know if he's just they gave him the good drugs or what in the hospital, but he has been very active on social media, even tweeting at David Bixen span, which I sure made Corey Graves very happy but um you know he you know he somebody tweeted hey big are you aware of this Lars Sullivan thing and Big E said oh people are aware and if it's true you know he kind of was like he's gonna you know have to kind of come to grips that he said that and he works in a company full of minorities yep you you know it's the easy obviously you should not have those opinions (laughs) Hot take. Yeah, uh, yeah, hot take. We're bringing up. We're throwing. We're throwing. We're throwing high heat here on Top Rope Nation. Uh, but if you do, Jesus Christ, why would you write that online? Yeah, I, it, it amazes me. I don't know. I mean, here's. I guess you, you know we talk about old people being old and drifting away. Well, let's kind of put our old men hats on here. The three of us. Okay. Do the two of you ever just look at some things that people put on, whether you like it or don't like it, or no matter what it's about, it doesn't have to be like you know racist homophobic stuff just are you guys constantly stunned by the things people put online like dick pics <laughs> that's first it's one of them you know i mean like you know or just like i'm just continuously astounded i mean i've probably made a few dumb tweets i mean i late in the night you know i came home skip bayless maybe made some anti-lebron <laughs> remarks and i probably wrote something that i shouldn't have okay but, i know you i know you've been blocked by a few twitter users kyle Ross. yeah yeah clay travis he doesn't like me but that's okay i don't like clay travis what do you got to say about that um but you know it, it stuns me like what is this idiot thinking yeah i, I mean think- in more ways than one you know, okay, I, I I completely and utterly disagree with everything that you know he posted online. I think that shit's disgusting. Um, but just as far as posting stupid shit online, I think that's something I would have done in you know my late teens, early twenties. But luckily, luckily for me, the internet really wasn't all that. Uh, you know, it, it was around, but no, not to the point. extent it is today. And luckily. I, you know, by the time I would have done that kind of stuff, you know, I was old enough to know better. That's a great point by Justin Joyd, who I love with all my heart and soul. You're right. Like when I was a real immature jackass as opposed to now and I'm just an immature jackass, uh, you know, twi- Twitter didn't exist. Social media didn't exist. <laughs> you you guys pro- would not have said stuff like this, though. No, would, no, 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 not like this. Like this. Yeah. No, 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 no. But I mean, like I would have like, you know, I would have, you know, I don't know what I would 
Right. Let's be clear though. He wasn't just a teenager. Like some of these posts came when he was yeah, like 23, 24 yeah. years old. Yeah. So, okay. My question is like, and I think this is freaking disgusting. But the last I heard is that the WWE is, is just kind of hoping that this goes away. Obviously, yeah. I don't think they have any intentions of letting him go. And, and if that's the case, like, why the hell did they fire Seth Rollins's ex-girlfriend? Like, I got another she, one on this. She too. got busted with like uh, Nazi propaganda or uh, paraphernalia or something along that lines. And yeah, she had like a Nazi flag in the back. Yeah, of let's be clear. You're not talking about Becky Lynch. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> this, current, this is this, this is current power. Bay. Yeah, this was a couple years ago. Uh, I got another hot take and on this. <laughs> so here's a real hot take. I know where you're going with it already. Yeah, you probably do. How in the hell did they fire in oh. like the same day it came out? The biggest star, arguably, of all time. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to defend Hulk Hogan. What he said was awful, really terrible, racist comments. But this is the biggest star, him and Steve Austin, The Rock, of all time in the WWE. And they fired him over those couple comments he made on the sex tape. And this guy, who's not even a star, they're just going to let it go? Like, this is because, way beyond. This is this, way beyond anything Hulk Hogan said. Because way. Hulk Hogan was picked up by the mainstream media. This is on a Reddit forum. That's the difference. But the whole wrestling audience is going to be knowing about this. Don't that's what, yeah, that's I hope this spreads like wildfire. I mean, I it's mean, it's on it's on like big websites now, like Paste Magazine covered it. I saw um, has, that was has, one of them. Has comic book? Uh, yes, comic okay, books covered good. it. Uh, so like it's it's spreading. Everything spreads on the internet. But like, yeah, I understand what you mean with Hulk Hogan as a national story and stuff. But like, would you guys agree? Both of them are horrible, horrible circumstances. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. This, this is, is way worse. beyond anything yeah. Hulk Hogan said. Yeah. Wait, this beyond. is not this is not worse than what got Bill Watts fired from <laughs> WCW. Was I mean I mean he defended not serving African Americans at a restaurant. Like well is and, that, and and if Lars Sullivan starts pissing out of like a second story window or whatever that was then yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that too yeah but, but I mean I mean, this is really bad. I mean, for I mean, for twenty nine. I mean, it's bad in any year, but I mean, in twenty nineteen eyes, it's just it's really grotesque. Um, it'll be interesting to see moving forward with Lars because remember, you know, this is maybe a second strike on him. You know, yeah. I, I for you know, with, he had the alleged mental health bout earlier in the year when he was going to be brought up. And for the record, I root for anyone in that situation. You know, I mean, anyone with mental. I mean, that's someone I. I, I but like it probably didn't earn him because this is wrestling. It probably didn't earn him any favors in the locker room. This certainly isn't yeah. if, you know, Big E say people are aware of it. I mean, and we've talked about it before. The togetherness of that locker room is a really big deal right now. And if you're somebody who's ostracized from the locker room, it's probably pretty easy to get let go. Yeah. It's ironic you, you mentioned that because I believe there's a post where he's making fun of people with mental illness <laughs> as well. So well, there he, you he, go. Made, he, he ran the gauntlet here. I mean, he made fun of and posted awful things about practically anyone you can think of. And uh, a lot of it's way off base. But, you know, we, we got some pretty bad takes. I mean, most most of the people on our Twitter account were when we were commenting on this right there with us. We got some bad takes coming along about, oh, you know. He was young, so what? And 
I think our guy, uh, Joe Dorian had a good comment on that. Like, yeah, guys, he was young. They don't teach. Don't be a racist until you're a junior in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I like that comment from Joe Dorian. That was a, really good. A good personal friend of mine, uh, says the last dump he took is more important to him than Israel. Uh, <laughs> what's sad about that is that's probably not even one of the 10 worst things in this list. Yeah, I'm scrolling through them right now. Like, what do I want to actually read on the air? It's bad. Quote, unquote, gray area of rape. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, go ahead. What's it going to take for them to actually fire him? I mean, I guess you already kind of said is it has to hit more of a mainstream media. But uh, I'm also curious, like, I mean, you think they're going to keep him off TV for a while? You know, hoping it blows over or i mean they certainly can't have him come out and smackdown next week and beat up our truth i hate to say this but i feel like they'll send him out because they know he's going to get booed and they'll like mistake that as good heat when it's not good heat you know like they won't yeah. care uh it's it's so bad and like i think it might have been one of the same people that was defending did, him uh did, in our this Twitter break, did this break on tuesday or no or was it no, so this has been floating out there for yeah. a couple months yeah uh, but yeah, then it, know, it but... came back but like, yeah, when was it like, cause you know, before you had texted me about this, I had seen someone else retweet it. And was that Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning? Cause it was Tuesday morning. We got the answer to Justin's question. Uh, the thread on Reddit, I'm pulling it up right now was posted. Let's see. I would say more importantly is when did big E address it? Mm-hmm. Big E's been. I'll look it up. Big E has been tweeting a lot. Yeah, it was it was Tuesday. So okay, there you go. Uh, yeah, you know, one, some of the people that uh, were defending him that I saw online were saying stuff like, "Oh, you know, he deserves a second chance and stuff." Okay, here's where I'm at with that. I'm all for second chances, and I I think like even criminals in jail should have a chance to be rehabilitated, depending on what the crime is. But. Like, that doesn't mean you get to work for one of the biggest entertainment companies in the world and make six figures. All right. So, like, yes, he should be able to get a job. I have no problem with this guy working at the lumber yard or working construction or working at Home Depot or something. We're not saying you should be tarred and feathered to get the death penalty, for God's sake. No, but you know what? To work in one of the biggest entertainment companies in the world, like the WWE, and And make that kind of money, and make a fortune, make way more money than any of us are ever going to make or ever even sniff, that's a huge privilege. And you know what? When you're this kind of a despicable human being, you kind of lose that privilege. That's where I'm at with it. So. No, I, I do think they should cut the cord with them. I, I, I don't oh see God. it happening based on what I'm reading right now, but uh, it's it's really disgusting. I'm just completely disgusted with the whole thing. So anyone else have anything? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like you. What's sad is he's, it's not like he's the only person in America with this beliefs i mean you know, unfortunately, no, there's a lot of dumb Americans, unfortunately. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, unfortunately, this behavior and some of this talk has been normalized in the last three years that's for sure you you do the math listener mm. yep i blame yeah. mitch mcconnell <laughs> mitch mcconnell is the worst i agree yes. kyle maybe you should move to kentucky and run for the u.s senate i'd vote for you <laughs> believe you <laughs> not living in kentucky <laughs> all right let's move on i'm just fine on 71 north the north part of i-71 here <laughs> all right 
So Kyle, you wrote in the show notes, all caps, it's discussion time. Yeah, WWE I to excite you guys. <laughs> <laughs> the WWE wildcard rule and what it tells us about the current product. What do we got to say about this? Kyle, this is your topic. You lead us I off. have a lot to say. My God, I looked at my notes and Jesus Christ, how much time do we have here? Um, okay. So obviously anyone listening to this podcast knows what happened on WWE television this week. Um, in a response to sagging ratings, Vince came out, instituted a wild card rule, which basically allows guys from SmackDown to appear on Raw and vice versa. Uh, this despite we are just weeks away or weeks removed, I should say, from the superstar shakeup. Um, again, I am going to say the superstar shakeup much better in theory than in practice. Um, I think <laughs> to re one thing I like about the show is we're able to reiterate some of our previous talking points, which I think illustrates that we have good talking points. Uh, the whole idea of just, you know, we're going to shake it up this week is so inferior to the idea of making organic moves when the time calls for it throughout the year, rather than all these moves at once. Oh, or it's going to be three guys this week and you know, uh, on this show. And then three guys, you know, the next night will be moving. Why, you know, instead of just moving one guy at a random time when it makes sense, we've been harping on that forever. Mm -hmm. And so, so we've, we already knew that because we would talk about that, but something else we already knew. And what I want to get into larger discussion here, is this wild card rule thing is the most WWE reaction possible. It is, yeah, you guys I'm sure have heard the old adage bullet or a band-aid over a bullet hole. Mm -hmm. That's what this is. And it's a cover for there, there is no semblance whatsoever of long-term booking in this company. Yeah, there was a slight uptick in the ratings this week. Very slight, but I, I think that might have just been a natural bounce back. You know, it wasn't way up. No. Yeah. Um, and, and my fear is that they're going to then overdo this, this wild card business. Whenever there's, whenever ratings go down the next week, we're doing wild card, which is fine, I guess, in the moment, but it's not fixing the larger issue, which is the no semblance of long-term booking. Now, I'll say this. The matches, the individual matches that the wild card rule produced may have been the highlight of this week's TV, but it's not like the in-ring product is the biggest problem facing WWE. They may not produce as many quote-unquote high-end matches as New Japan Pro Wrestling, but they don't have to. You know, New Japan has to produce that, you know, a higher number of high-end matches to remain relevant. And, you know... I'll go through them in a minute. I want to give you guys a chance to speak, but there were so many issues on Raw and SmackDown that I saw that this wild card rule is not going to address whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, it's it's lazy and it's not it's not going to fix the storytelling problem, which is their real problem. I mean, and frankly, I don't need to see these guys on both shows every week. You know, I I actually. I don't. I, I'm. I know one of you disagree with this, but I like the brand split. That this is the deepest roster they've ever had. They have enough guys that they should be able to put on two good shows a week. Um, and it's just, yeah, like I said, it's just lazy to me. 
Yeah, I feel like it's a diversion that prevents them from telling stories because if you have people randomly jumping back and forth, you can't develop the long-term stories because they're not going to be there every week. So it's, yeah, I, I'm not, I wasn't a fan either. And also, you know, this has been happening since before WrestleMania anyways. Like they've, they've been having people jump back and forth to build WrestleMania matches. Like Becky's been back and forth constantly. Um, I, I guess I would have to go along with Kyle in that I would kind of like to see the brand split end. I'm more of a traditionalist. I like one world champion. I like one tag team champion and they do have a lot of depth, but they just have not developed those characters. And I don't really have any faith that they're going to build out the roster and develop them to a level where they can have two must see shows. So I would like to see it go back to one brand with one world champion. And I feel like, you know, you just look at their tag team division. They don't have the depth in the tag team division to have two tag team champions and have it be interesting. But if they had one one title and same thing with the women's title, you know, like I feel like that would be pretty dang deep and it could be really interesting. So and, and you yes, could have, you're gonna have to mix in new names here and there, though. And you Go can ahead, have Kyle. actual feuds that aren't about titles. You know, I'm gonna get in, you know, we talked about this last week, how formulaic the booking is. You know, it's just like, all right, you know, well, we need a, a title match on the show. How are we gonna determine the contender? We have to find a way to determine it. And they do it in like just like, you know, they have a match. I mean, I guess that's like pure sports. Like, okay, hey, here's two top contenders. One of them will win and get to challenge the title. I guess, but it doesn't make for the most compelling television. Yeah, um, there's way too many titles. We run into that with these pay-per-views where it's hard to get people on the card if they're not in a title picture. Like, it's impossible, especially now that they've combined the pay-per-views too. You know, that combining the pay-per-views makes me think the branch split should be over too then. I, I want to... I'm going to talk about something you guys both touched on in a few minutes. Because, um, again, you know, I talk about the superstar shakeup works better in theory than in practice. And I'm going to make the case that that's the same thing with the brand split. Because Justin, I think, made a good case for it in theory. But I think, Ryan, you laid out, we've seen this thing in practice. And it just, theory doesn't play out. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to get to the TV and some specifics this week, some things that, just left me scratching my head personally and whoever I think thinks that we're too positive on WWE, you know, maybe this will be your favorite part of top rope nation ever. Um, okay. This promo from AJ styles on SmackDown where he kind of like, it was basically, he was sent out there to like fire up the crowd. Hey, it's AJ. But it was also, he was the voice very much of backstage trying to get over this wild card rule. And the crowd was not reacting to his explanation of the rules whatsoever which shows it's convoluted and not really over now it's one week okay but you know you know wwe people make this argument that they just want you to turn your brains off and have fun and enjoy the show right well do you know what we don't want if you, you for that is a bunch of rules like i always remember like that starcade 89 tournament they did the iron man rules and, and i watched it i don't know like a year year and a half ago and, like, at the outset of that show, they have this, like, ridiculously long explanation of the point system. And to be honest, like, I'm like, all right, yeah, I know I'm going to be getting Flair, Muda, Sting, and Luger all wrestling each other. But I'm like, fuck this. There's too many rules. I don't want to, like, be like, oh, wait, okay, if he gets a count out, he goes ahead here. I, I don't want to do that. It's wrestling. I don't want to think that hard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the people don't want to think this hard. And you could just, like, it was so convoluted the way AJ was talking about it. More convoluted stuff. Uh, the Usos come out. 
uh, for the tag team title situation, right? To ch- you know, Shane was going to give the titles to Brian and Rowan. The Uso show from Raw and say, "Hey, that's not the way to do it." You know, we're ch- we're here to challenge. And then Shane, um, I didn't like this either. Shane's like, "Okay, he agreed to give him the shot," and then the Usos lost clean. That's not a good way to get over a babyface team. Um, just that's me personally, but. The announcers during this were like, what if the Usos win the tag SmackDown tag titles? Do they go back to Raw with them? Are they then properties on SmackDown? You know, are they the property of SmackDown? You know, even though the Usos are very over, it was just like, you're making my head hurt with this stuff. And then who's making these decisions every week? Like, who gets to jump? Is it just like first come, first served? Did AJ Styles run to the building on SmackDown? Say, I'm here first. I get to go out. Because... <laughs> If there's somebody who's allowing these guys to go in, it doesn't make a lot of sense that Miz would get in because presumably Shane is making the decisions as the guy in charge of SmackDown, and Miz is the guy he's feuding with. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this shit can seem like nitpicking Nancy, but when you have all of it together, and this is the issue with WWE, when you have all of these nitpicks together, it becomes a problem. Yeah. No, I think... I think you're right on. I can't. I can't disagree. It. Yeah. It makes you want to think too hard. You want to have fun watching pro wrestling. I was also thinking while you're talking too, when we're talking about how the shows are like a lot of. It's you said, Kyle. It's formulaic and a lot of repetition. The fact that they have so many titles too. I wanted to get this out there. Means that you're going to get the same match, you know, month after month at the pay per view. Because you know, if you have a guy defending a title constantly with a new defender every or a new challenger every month like that's bad booking because you want to have long-term feuds where there's a few matches in the series but if you do that and it's only the title matches every pay-per-view then you're getting the same matches every pay-per-view and we saw that last year with the aj's title run and by the way another thing aj being a part of that wild card rule was so silly he he had just cut a promo the week before i thought a good promo for the record where he talked about, yeah, SmackDown was the house that I built, but now I'm on Raw. And, you know, this is the preeminent brand of WWE, and this is the title I wanted to win. So why did he go over and challenge for the SmackDown title? And then you have Sami Zayn, God bless him, I like the character, but the guy had been thrown in a dumpster the night before, and he's in a title match? I mean, he was getting good heat. I think the take a shower thing, actually, you know, some people may roll their eyes on it, but it's heat. It's good heat. But, like, you know, again... It's a good match. People need to realize. I, I, it, oof, I get so upset. With, I'm getting that fires in my eyes, Justin. I think you can see it. Um, Dracarious. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Like, it's not just about having this good match. Because, okay, fine. AJ and Sami Zayn got this title match against Kofi. Where does that lead? It, it leads nowhere. Same thing. You know, you blew off Kofi and Brian when, by all accounts, because Brian's back and we got some time before the pay-per-view. You easily could have just done that rematch at Money in the Bank and mm-hmm. held off the Owens heel turn. Roman and Drew had a much better match than they did at WrestleMania. There's no disputing that. I thought that was a banger, quite frankly. I thought it was a real good match. But it's not going to lead. They, it, was a, it was basically just a setup for Shane and Elias to attack Roman. So I find it was a good match, but it didn't really lead anywhere. Like, what do you like? Okay. I guess you're looking forward to Roman getting his revenge on Shane and Elias, but you know, you could have just done that on SmackDown. Yeah. It's, it's inherently problematic because you can't do, you can't do traditional wrestling booking with long-term feuds where you have several matches in the series, 
when you have so many titles that you have to be in the title picture to be on the pay-per-view and then the pay-per-view is filled with the same stuff over and oh. over so like you want to you want to see the traditional good booking but then you also don't want to be bored seeing the same thing every month and that's the only stuff getting on the show by the way i i, I absolutely did you guys fall over i i oh i was in tears at this one week after we talk about like you know again formulaic booking and we're like oh how are they going to get eight you know and we're, we're pretending to be the writers what do we do with aj and seth this week is it a you know do we put them on opposite tag teams do we have them do a contract signing do we have them wacky mix match partners mix partners that don't like each other guess what they do this week the week after the contract another standard trope they had them team together mm-hmm. i would i when i saw that i thought about our show last week and i just absolutely fell out of my chair laughing <laughs> at that one um and then something else we've talked about that i gotta get this bobby bobby rude pardon me robert rude ricochet situation <laughs> on this program two weeks ago i went kind of off again people who think we're too nice to wwe may want to tune into that um about the decision to have robert rude with no build whatsoever um, except growing a mustache um, or just having or shaving it to a mustache, beating Ricochet, handing Ricochet his first ever loss on TV, just with no build out of the blue. And the reason I had a problem with that, I think we were all in agreement, was we none of us had any faith that Robert Roode was going to get any sort of sustained push, right? Right. Well, ladies, but we were all like, you know, how long is it till they give up on this guy? You know, two months, six weeks from now? Well, Whomever had two weeks in the betting pool uh, can feel free to collect $200 a pass go. Because, <laughs> and it does that not show that they don't listen to pod, that they listen to podcasts yeah. by doing that match? Like, like the whole thing where they, they're like, when, as soon as that match was announced, what went through your head? Oh, Ricochet's getting his win back. Mm-hmm. And I had so many problems with this. So I had a problem with the original decision, but like you did it. The logical move would be you build Robert Root up a little bit longer. You know, Ricochet's already in the Money in the Bank match. He's already still over, bless his soul. So you build Root up kind of just on TV, have him win some matches. And then when Ricochet's done with Money in the Bank, he's probably not going to win it. You have Bobby Root say, hey, you know, you were in that match. I beat you. And you can build this. It can mean a little bit more in a few weeks. But no, instead, and I hated the way this match was laid out. They waited right before the match to explain why it was taking place. They provided the explanation after Rick. I have this in my, by the way, I have very comprehensive notes on this. They provided the explanation after Ricochet's entrance, then went to a commercial break, then did a Make-A-Wish video package. My hat's off to you. Then a horrid Natty and Naomi backstage segment. Then you had. During the match, after Cole finally gives the explanation that rude politics, quote unquote, uh, to get the match because he had beaten Ricochet and thought it was fair that Ricochet would have to put his line. After that's established, which is very logical, mind you, you have the babyface announcer, Renee Young, making a case why the match shouldn't be taking place. <laughs> Good God almighty. <laughs> I hope Vince McMahon wasn't in her ear telling her to say that because uh, Vince is way, completely senile at this point then. By the way, oh. you got something else? Yeah, hold on here. I've been told the... <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> just God. Up on my phone. <laughs> that If you're not watching on Patreon, you have no idea what we're talking about. Justin was hot. texting us to, that Kyle should recenter his camera because uh, we couldn't see all of his face. 
I, I was all over the place. I get, Kyle's getting I get, heated, man. I get so passionate. And I got news for I you. Could, I could practically see the Taco John's hot sauce coming out of your oh, pores. Oh my God. I have, <laughs> I, I have a confession to make on today's program. Uh Oh, I had an affair this afternoon. Oh, you had Taco Bell, you son of a bitch. Yeah, damn it. You, damn it. You got the joke right away. God, I love you, Justin Joyce, so much. <laughs> hey, I like Taco Bell, too. I'm not going to yeah, lie. I mean, since great. I met Kyle Ross, I've been going to Taco John's a little bit more, though. Yeah. Oh, boy. I, I'm just looking now. I got a lot more stuff to say. Oh, boy. Oh, and and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right with Ryan Drosty about, as he alluded to, I, I am voting to end this brand split. And I want to talk about... The brand, the brand split here. Um, given the timeline of the first brand extension, or I want to talk about that. Pardon me. I want, I want to give the timeline of the first brand extension uh, when they did it. Okay. Brand only pay-per-views in that year when the brand split was first established, 02, right after WrestleMania 18. I believe it was Backlash 07 when they decided to stop the brand-only pay-per-views. It's going to be Raw and SmackDown guys on both pay-per-views. So they gave brand-only pay-per-views a try for basically four years because, remember, they didn't start those right away. It was it was Bad Blood 03 was the first time they did that. So for four years, they actually did brand-only pay-per-views. This time around, <laughs> they stopped doing them in about a year and a half, okay? Um, a few years after Backlash 07, and again, this is kind of my um, blind spot of WWE, that era, they eventually had guys from SmackDown showing up on Raw and vice versa. Well, now you're already doing that. So the pace has already been accelerated this time around. You're already heading towards the same situation that caused you to end it the first time just faster. The writing is on the wall for this thing. And if Vince is like, oh, we just don't have enough stars on these show. Well, then your theory of the brand split, which is, really just for the writers and those booking travel is flawed that it creates more stars because it's not the case, nor has it really ever been the case. Again, let's go back to the first brand split. Everyone, I'll make an exception with Rey Mysterio Jr., but everyone else who became a champ in that era, 02 to 2013, likely would have done so anyway, right? Until like the very end when they had like, you know, like the Dolph Ziggler's and Alberto Del Rio's and Jack Swagger's, like uh, until that period. But like 02 through 08, everyone who got a run with the world title, a world title, was going to get one anyway, don't you think? Like, I thought the success, one of the bigger successes of that first brand split was the concurrent pushes of John Cena and Dave Batista in 04. But you're telling me they both wouldn't have gotten over anyway in a non-brand split environment? I think they would have. Yeah. I think so. Um, the only one I'm thinking about right off the bat, I mean, both tremendous performers, but uh, you had Eddie and Benoit having the titles concurrently. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. They, they At least one of them may have never made it to the top of the card. Yeah, Eddie, maybe. You're right. Eddie, I mean, because like Lesnar was on, they needed to change that title real bad. Um, and Eddie kind of was right guy, right time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, who's to say he wouldn't have got it at some other time? It might not have been at that time. I mean, a lot yeah, of guys may have had to wait. Um, you know, obviously, Cena and Batista couldn't win the title at the same time like they did at WrestleMania 21. But, um, you know, and I think maybe Kofi, uh, to use an analogy, is this brand splits Ray. He certainly was right place, right time. Maybe Becky and AJ benefited from this current brand split. But... 
I just don't think, I and mean, the proof is in the pudding, I don't think the brand split, to Justin's earlier point, successfully creates more stars. It just doesn't. No, I I would agree. I'll get no disagreement from me. Justin, care to defend the brand split? I just I don't think it's on the brand split. It's on the company. I mean, essentially, it's like theoretically, this should be no different than like AEW having debuted, you know, when they did the brand split. You're getting two shows, two different uh, sets of superstars. Uh, and like I said, super deep. I mean, if yeah. if SmackDown all of a sudden popped up and was AEW with that roster, everybody would be going apeshit. You, you, you know what? You're right. And again, I, I think it goes back to theory and practice is the problem. The, pr- the problem is the theory. There is a theory for it. And to be honest with you, when they I was not a big fan of them going back to a brand split in 2016. But the one key and you've hit on it now twice They've got far more depth than they did 10, 12, 15 years ago. Far more depth. I mean, guys get injured all the time, and, you know, you don't want to say they're not missed, but, like, the, the, the I mean, how many people are just fighting to get on TV in this company? A lot. Um, which the, the issue is, I think, with the brand split is you have all the, the same people are, like, changing brands. You're not cycling guys out. It would work better if they're like, all right, for the next year, here are four top. We are going to get these four guys over on Raw. We're going to get these four guys over on SmackDown. And everyone else, be damned. Now, if someone gets over by happenstance, like a Kofi, all right, we'll plug them in. But everyone else is going to put them over. But the problem is those guys who do the putting over stick around. Is, is another issue. And, you know, I don't root for anyone to lose their job. But And if I was a wrestler and I heard me say this, I'd be pretty pissed off. But, you know, we always talk about what's the biggest problem facing WWE today. I think their biggest problem is they don't book their performers as if they have a shelf life. Because they absolutely do. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Because I, I was thinking about that the other day is how, uh, like, especially you see it in today's all major sports. Guys, is, especially top guys' careers are much longer than they used to be because of all the advances in uh, medicine and taking care of their bodies and eating and travel and wrestling for, you know, the last decade has the same thing where it used to be guys weren't around all that long because they, they broke down or they got into drugs or for whatever reason. So you, you had a faster cycle of guys and more guys coming in that were fresh and you don't see, I mean, like it, it's shocking to me, like Kevin Owens has already been in, like yeah. WWE for five years. Like mm-hmm. that, that was people's runs for a or, long time. Or they could go to another territory or WCW or WWE and vice versa back in the day. And that would freshen them up, which maybe we'll have a situation yeah, like I mean, that here. Yeah, that's soon. the thing. You, you know, they're like, well, let's just fucking go, call the, you know, cut the mustard here. Okay. Does moving from Raw to SmackDown really freshen you up in the in the traditional sense? I mean, it's the same style of booking. Okay, maybe you get some fresh matchups. But like, you know, AJ, for instance, had always been on SmackDown. I think it helped him moving to Raw. But like, it's way different than changing companies. Way different. So like, that's the thing. Oh, you know, this guy's moving. Oh, man, you know, nothing you saw over the last year matters anymore because he's on SmackDown. Come on. (laughs) 
The same people watched it. It's not like, you know, we're going to talk about Gino Hernandez a little bit. You know, when Gino Hernandez, you know, back then you didn't have the TV. So if when Gino Hernandez, if he did some jobs in Mid-South and then he shows up on your, and you're a world-class viewer and he shows up on your TV, you don't know about those jobs he did in Mid-South. Here, you watched it. And, you know, another argument for me personally, if I'm a writer against this brand split, if I prefer, and this goes to what Ryan was saying earlier about creativity, I prefer the five-hour blank canvas per week that gives you more creative freedom. Not to be pigeonholed with the same split crew where you have to book by numbers. You have to get your men's champ in, your women's champ in, your tag champs in. And it's just this very formulaic booking, you know, whereas, and you can only, again, going back to what we've just been talking about, if you want to get somebody over, you have to do it at someone's expense, right? Well, there's only, so when you're splitting the crews, there's only so many people you can kind of like job out. And you have to be careful because you don't want to job somebody out too much because what if you need them later in the year? So everyone's just kind of booked like a flat circle. I give a big thumbs down to the brand split. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I think you pretty much nailed it, Kyle. Ross. And, and Vince obviously doesn't want to. If he thinks it's stars, he just wants Roman Reigns on both shows. Then Roman Reigns should be the world champ. He, you know, you could do, you know, I think there should be two secondary champions and one world champion is what there should be in the men's roster. And one women's champion one women's tag champion, one men's tag champion. Oh, that I just be. thought of, I just thought of somebody else who benefited from there being two titles. Oh, re- recently, Goldberg. <laughs> mm. Oh no! Oh, what a performer! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Coming Dude. back in Saudi Arabia, Bill Goldberg to the uh, WWE. I was a little disappointed in Bill for that, but will he be booed? No, I doubt it. I don't okay. think so. Okay. I was referring to a <laughs> the obvious reason I thought there. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I don't oh. know. I mean, am, I, am I wrong for that? I think hey oh. No, it makes sense. So. Um, should we move on to the Kyle Ross match of the week? Yeah. God, you I'm, have firing up the, I'm firing up the network. Okay. Before... I want to I want to just go off on so many other things though. I want to talk about how freaking Mojo Raleigh should be sent to NXT UK if he thinks he's that big of a deal. I want to oh, talk about man. cutting the house show schedule. My God, I don't give a damn about my chin, Justin Joy. I got tapes <laughs> and I'm gonna deliver them, god damn it. Hey, I have no problem with them. I mean, like, even if you end the brand split, you can have two touring rosters. Hell, they used to have yes! three at one point, you know. But here's I, mean, the I guess thing. technically NXT they do. But here's the thing: do you know that those two touring very rarely did both draw like real good money? Sometimes mm-hmm. you had a hot, you know, you had Hogan and you had a hot IC title program, but a lot of times there was a huge gap. Yeah, you know, that's why they were called the A and B tours. Yep. So, all right, my match of the week. Oh, wait, okay. hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to do the lead in because I I added background music last week. If you didn't hear it, great production by myself, if I do say so myself. But last week, Kyle Ross, the first edition of his match of the week, uh, he recommended Terry Gordy versus David Von Erich from April sixteenth, nineteen eighty three. I had a chance to watch that. Uh, Justin had a chance to watch that. Tremendous match. Uh, great but, fan interaction <laughs> yes it was uh man terry gordy 
great selling in that match. Not not like a fantastic like five star match or anything, but the crowd heat was awesome, and that was a that was a great recommendation, Kyle. So for this week, world class is back in the news, and I was almost tempted to go because all the Gino Hernandez talk to go world class again, but I'm not going to do that. That would yeah. Be don't don't recommend Flair and Carrie Von. Oh, Eric don't the start with that. Uh, <laughs> all right, Kyle. So this week, okay. week number two, it is the Kyle Ross. I love this sport. Match of the week. Take it away, Kyle. And let's not forget our unofficial. Uh, two weeks ago, I guess we're not kind of, we did Dustin Rhodes Invader Clash 29. Oh, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Highly recommend that okay. one, everybody. Okay, so I've done WCW and I've done World Class. Let's go. Let's go WWE. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? Um, it's funny that Justin referenced that Flair carry match and he and I had a very lengthy Woof. discussion about it. I, okay. Hey, look, man. <laughs> You started watching Game of Thrones in season seven. What do you want from me? Okay, <laughs> that's a great right. analogy. <laughs> okay, so, but we were talking, and again, this podcast we're getting a little long in the tooth here, uh, maybe like a, your weekly edition of Raw. But um, we talked about you know how wrestling is viewed these days and how it can be evaluated. I've long been of the opinion of evaluation process is broken and god i wish i could bring that thread up real quick so i could talk about some of the points we're making but we talked about how if you know a match when you watch a, what is purported to be a classic match like flair and carry in the cage christmas night 82 the most important match in world-class history and if you just watch it in a vacuum with no frame of reference it's not you're not going to get the desired outcome as a viewer what you could if it had you watched it real time or had you watched the TV building up to it, whatever. Okay. But I had thrown a match back to Justin about just the opposite of that, where sometimes you can go back and watch a match that in real time you didn't care as much about. But if you watch it in a vacuum, you're like, was, was this really good? And that's the match we're going to go with this week. Matt Hardy versus Edge, Steel Cage, Unforgiven 05. So, you guys remember this feud? Obviously, it was a big deal at the time. I mean, if mm-hmm. Top Rope Nation existed in 2005, my God, how much time would we have spent on this story? You know, Matt had just come back about two months earlier after he'd been fired. The well-publicized firing in the wake of Edge and Lita having their affair. Um, Matt came back and they had this ready-made storyline. And good God, did they fuck it up right off the bat. By, <laughs> he got by, squashed at, was yes. it SummerSlam? Yes, they what squashed the They squashed Matt Hardy like a goddamn great. Matt Hardy was so hot at that yeah. point, too. Like, hottest free agent in wrestling. I, I remember watching that and being like, well. Yeah. Okay. And they had already kind of actually hurt that, to be honest with you, by, you know, having Vince just introduce him and stuff. They had taken the edge off the Matt Hardy character. No pun intended. But... I had heard, you know, I'd seen some people, you know, I'm, you know, going forums and, you know, read people on Twitter and whatnot. It was actually, do you know who it was? Who I read um, on Twitter who got me to watch this match? Alan Cheapshot. Al, oh, okay. Al, A.K.A. Alan Blackstock, who's been in the news, obviously, with that Vince McMahon thread that everyone picked up uh, on. He had put over this Matt Hardy Edge match. And I remember I watched it in real time. And I was like, that was really good. I'm like, I remember watching it. I didn't give a shit. I remember that whole pay-per-view I didn't give a shit about. Unforgiven 05. Um, Shawn Michaels, I think, were Chris Masters on that show, for time of reference. <laughs> that was after Shawn Michaels declared pro wrestling fake on an edition of Raw after losing to Hulk Hogan. Yes. Um, but anyway, so I throw Matt Hardy. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm like, I knew it was a month after they squashed Hardy like a bug at SummerSlam. I'm like, I didn't 
I watch it. My God, this video package beforehand would have made you think that this was the hottest program program in the promotion in years. Again, you're you're not you don't have the and this speaks to WWE TV even struggling back then, you didn't have kind of the, it didn't wear on you to the point where you're like, I don't really care about this anymore. You know, you're watching it just in a vacuum and folks, this match, the heat, the violence, the intensity is just tremendous. This is one of the most underrated matches of that last decade in WWE. Matt Hardy versus edge steel cage, unforgiven. Oh, five. I thought you were going to quote the uh, Kurt Angle, the three eyes there for a second from back in the day. He was on that one. Integrity. (laughs) That was when uh, John Cena was starting to, um, the crowd was starting to turn on him too. Oh, yeah. That that period. John, I think think Kurt worked John in the title match on that show. That was a Raw only pay per view, by the way. Hmm. But I mean, seriously, as much as they screwed that program up, if you watch this match in a vacuum, you'll be like, oh my God, this was really good stuff. I will watch it because I don't really have any memory of this match. I'm sure I watched it at the time. But uh, if you watch it, listeners, and you got thoughts, hit us up, topropenation at gmail.com, or you can tweet us your reactions at topropenation, and we can talk about them next week. So that's the Kyle Ross. I love this sport match of the week. Uh, guys, let's wrap it up with the uh, the fifth edition of Dark Side of the Ring, the uh, Viceland documentary, which premiered last night on Gino Hernandez, the uh, Texas wrestling star from World Class Championship Wrestling. A lot of world class talk on this broadcast the last few weeks. Uh, and uh, I have to say, after viewing all five of them now, and we railed on the Montreal one a few weeks ago, that one was terrible. But the other four are all pretty good. I thought the Savage one was mm. yeah, the Savage one wasn't bad. It was average to slightly above average. I don't but, think it needed to be. I don't think it needed to be made, except yeah. for the fact that Randy Savage is a big star, and maybe they were just using that as a way to hook people in. I mean, I'm a huge Randy Savage fan, so I was looking forward to it. But like you said at the time, Kyle, there wasn't a whole lot of new information in it. But it was an okay watch. But Man, the Brody one, the Von Erichs one, and this one on Gino, all three are really, really good. And I left watching, after watching the Gino Hernandez one last night, this is easily my favorite now. And that changed after one week, because last week we we talked glowingly about the Von Erichs one, and that was my favorite one I had seen. Um, now this is my number one of the series. Next week they have one on uh, the Fabulous Moolah, and I think, I think that's the last one contracted to air but i think they've actually made a few more that will hopefully yeah see the light of day um but uh personally i you know i i knew of gino hernandez i knew of his death i hadn't seen a lot of his work you know i was vaguely familiar with him learned a lot more about him watching the documentary and uh it's a really emotional documentary because of the fact that you got his mother on there who hasn't done really any media over the years you've got his daughter on there uh his ex-wife Really just, it's it's almost like a crime mystery as you're watching it because there's two theories on Gino's death that he overdosed, number one, or number two, he was with the wrong crowd and he was murdered. And they kind of explore both sides. And I think the thing that, for me, put this one over the top is that they present new information uh, with his death. And they get someone on record who kind of ran with that, the drug crowd in the 80s there in Dallas, that uh, they disguise his voice 
What a group that would have been to hang out with. Yeah, they disguise his voice, but <laughs> that, uh, the Dallas drug crowd of the 1980s. Oh, if, that, if that doesn't get the a lot of cocaine flowing, yeah, I don't know what a lot does. of cocaine. But uh, they get him on this guy. He he talks about the night Gino died, and then they film Gino's mother as she listens to the interview. As you're hearing it too, watching it with headphones on, and this is a woman who for you know, years, I don't know how many, how much spoilers we want to get into on this, but for years she had thought very, she was very certain that her, that her son was murdered. And so this is the moment where she's going to get some clarity finally, you know, after 32 years, I guess when they filmed this, was her son murdered? Did he overdose? And this guy claims to know for sure. And so they play his comments and you watch the mother, you know, take it all in. It's really powerful. So and to me, I was back and forth on if this one or the Von Erichs one was the best one of the series. And then after that kind of final segment, that that puts this one over the top for me. Kyle, your thoughts? Yeah, this was the best one of the five. Um, and what was, I think, noteworthy about that is, you know, we talked about this last week. Um, the Brody and the Von Erich stories transcend wrestling that i mean those stories are something that can grab a quote-unquote non-wrestling fan to watch right i mean the way i mean brody's murder you know it speaks to like you know it's kind of like that, that mob mentality of wrestling it's just like i think if you don't really know it's just insane that it happened people know who did it and the person was just never convicted and walk scot-free i think that's the von erics i mean we talk i mean you know, I think it was you, Ryan, who said it. Other than the Kennedys, I mean, name a family in the United States of America that's experienced that, that much tragedy. I mean, mm -hmm. that, again, transcends wrestling. It's not just a wrestling story. They were wrestlers, but it's, it's it goes beyond wrestling. Uh, you don't need to be a wrestling fan to feel empathetic watching that story. Gino Hernandez going in, I, I was interested because I was like, you know, you know, and there was a debate about this too. Uh, Bruce Mitchell was going off, you know, just how novel a story Gino's was. Um, I think an argument can be made that it's one of many cautionary tales in wrestling. It, 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 you know, I don't know if it's any different than, say, an Art Bar, his story, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Art, Art also died uh, of, a, of an overdose. Um, but what made this documentary the best is that it was the best one as a documentary. Like, you know, obviously, I love pro wrestling. And there's so many great stories to be told. Or I shouldn't say great. I should say unique stories to be told. And they're always, generally speaking, told so poorly to the public. And it just frustrates me. Like like that Fighting With My Family movie. I thought that movie was like... Well, the, I, the, wrestling like, does... The, the real life stories do appeal to people that aren't wrestling fans. Like I can use do. my wife, wife, for example. She'll never watch a wrestling show with me. But she'll watch the the documentaries about wrestling with me because they really engross you they're, it's such an interesting business well, and it draws people in yeah but i think for the most part they're not told well whether yeah, no, I, I agree but when told well they have a lot of crossover yeah, whether potential. it's the carney talk or you know or if it's just like you know i, I saw some people <laughs> using the phrase too many people are trying to bootlick Meltzer on the first four um <laughs> you know you know where it's just again and but i talked about it too it was just you know my problem particularly with the first two, the Savage and the Montreal one, where you had a bunch of talking heads that just, it, it seemed more about the talking heads and the stories themselves and the talking heads' desire to either be the one to confirm or deny popular urban legends 
uh, among those stories. This story, this documentary had a clear focus, which all good documentaries do, whether it's wrestling or not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it didn't waste a ton of time, you know, talking about Gino. I thought it established Gino as a successful wrestler, you know, kind of what his character was and the duality of, you know, his character and his real life. I think it did a great job there, but it, it was very clear and the timeline was done well. You know, like sometimes you watch the other ones and for me it was fine because I know the real timeline, but like I, I always felt with the other four, um, if you, it could be confusing. And this was not confusing in any way. This was a very, very well done documentary. And I would really recommend uh, everyone to watch. Gino Hernandez was fantastic, by the way. It made me really want to watch uh, a lot of Gino Hernandez, you know, um, with world class, you know, like so many promotions. They have the one big angle and they struggle to move on from it. And in their case, it was Von Erich's Freebirds, obviously. The only feud really post Von Eric's Freebirds that worked and drew money for them was Kevin and Carrie against the dynamic duo, Gino and Chris Adams. Mm-hmm. And you know, the one match they did show footage from, or they showed footage from a few, but the, the one they highlighted was the cotton bowl match where it was hair versus hair. And man, again, you're not going to be, if you watch that after listening to us talk about it, you're not going to be blown away maybe by the wrestling, especially with 2019 eyes. But the key to that is spoiler alert after Gino and Chris lose, you know, in the document, their reaction to not wanting to get their head shaved is so fucking great. Like how they're running away and like the fans are tackling them and throwing them in the ring. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Gino Hernandez, Chris Adams tag team with, with all my heart and soul. And <laughs> there's about a half dozen matches they have with Carrie and Kevin in the back half of 85. that are, they're all pretty fun watches, but the cotton bowl one is the most memorable for sure. I will agree that this documentary got me ready to watch more of the WWE network. And I think I'm going to be watching a lot of world-class just to, just to check out the Gino Hernandez stuff in the, in the coming weeks. And Justin joint, I know you've been watching this documentary and you're about halfway through. I think, uh, I think you'll be watching a lot of world-class too, after you finish this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been able to watch the first 15 minutes and and it's really good so far. Yeah. So highly recommended, definitely highly recommended. Check it out. And uh, I I hope the series continues, Kyle. Okay. And there was something that was gone into and the, whoever directed or the producer actually replied and read it. So there's a story out there speak, you know, obviously this focused on the circumstances of, of Gino's death, but there's another controversy in Gino's life as to whom his father is. Whether or not I, it was Paul, whether or not it was Paul Bosch was his actual father. Him and Paul were very close, obviously. Um, Gino got his start in the Houston territory, and the producer said, "Yeah, you know, we just didn't have time to go into it, but we're aware of it, and we may release some stuff on that later." So that's another thing. And you know what? Like I said, this documentary had focus. I think it was actually for the better that they didn't. Because had they incorporated that, and that's too much for an hour. If you're trying to focus on two controversies, you're going to be jumping all over the damn place, and it's going to be an uneven documentary. So I understand, actually, why they cut that out. Yeah. I think Viceland is that channel is really going all in on wrestling because they got the Dark Side of the Ring, and then I think in two weeks, right after the Mulo uh, Dark Side of the Ring airs, uh, the next week they have a new series starting called The Wrestlers. Yeah, I saw that. 
Yeah, it yeah. focuses in on like some of the bigger independent stars in, in wrestling. It's kind of like a behind the scenes series, documentary style, and that looks interesting. So I thought about reaching out to uh, the guys responsible for that show or even Dark Side of the Ring and try to get them on yeah. the top rope nation here. So we'll see what we can do. But uh, that would be an interesting talk. Very interesting that when we talk about the Vice Land Docs, which ones we thought really succeeded and which ones, you know, maybe obviously we all, I think, agree the Montreal one stunk and maybe the Savage one, in my opinion, at least fell short. Um, it was the three kind of non-mainstream stories, for lack of a better term, I guess. You know, the three non you know, oh, everyone knows Randy Savage. Everyone knows Montreal. You know, a lot of people obviously know the Von Erics. A lot of people know Bruiser Brody. Probably less know Gino Hernandez. And, you know, one person who didn't know much about it, apparently Ryan Satin caught a lot of shit. And I thought Dave Meltzer's comments were grossly unfair towards Ryan Satin. Ryan Satin is like Adam Schefter. He... You know, and I'm not like the president of the Ryan Satin fan club by any means, but like he just he re, he, re, he reports breaking news. He doesn't put it in historical context. Yeah, he's not a historian. Topic. He's not, and he's never claimed to be. So yeah. it, that's Dave's job. And you know, Bruce Mitchell jumped on him too, um, Satin. And you know, Bruce, I mean, he doesn't break any news. He's just a historian. So like that's not you know like when Adam Schefter you know reveals like a big free agent signing. He never is asked or expected to put it in like some proper historical context or like, you know, be able to rattle off five similar free agent signings in the history of the NFL. So I had mm-hmm. no problem with that. I mean, Ryan Sands is a younger guy. Yeah, he's so, younger like, than all of us. And he's I, I said I was vaguely familiar with Gino Hernandez, not real familiar with him. Yeah. And Sands a couple years younger than I am. And so and I, was, I wouldn't expect him to know. He was not a star on the national level. He never yeah. made it to be. I mean, you, you know, I mean, outside of, you know. I mean, he was still kind of in his prime. I mean, they were going to do a really big angle with Chris Adams. They kind of touched on on the documentary. And by the way, phew, you want to see bad promotional tactics. Watch the world class where they announce Gino's death and they talk about two tragedies. Gino's death and Chris Adams being blinded. Oh, have never seen that. Yeah, world class. You know, there's there's a few things, you know, maybe, you know, it's funny, Justin and I were joking. There's a few things that you need to know about world class. And you know, very heated crowds. But the Von Erichs didn't lose a lot, <laughs> number two. Uh, they didn't do clean jobs. And through, oh, boy, were they the king of pr- disgusting promotional tactics mm. at times. Well, I think watching the documentary, though, it, it's pretty clear how talented he was. Yes. And it, when you got to the 90s and the, and the WWF, WCW wars, it's unquestionable he would have been a star. He would have yeah. been on the national stage for sure. I mean, the easiest comp of Gino Hernandez, if you're not familiar with this, is Tully Blanchard. Obviously, those two got their start together. They're the original dynamic duo. Um, if you like Tully Blanchard, you're going to like Gino Hernandez a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a very similar character. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good uh, stopping point, guys. It's uh, We went a little longer than anticipated, but hey, it's always fun. Always fun I'll, chatting with you all. I like how we've got things up to closer to 90 minutes now. <laughs> he, Kyle prefers the longer podcast. I always try to get it to around an hour because I want to, you know, attract new listeners. And I feel like, oh, is he a 90 minute podcast? It's too long. But you know what? This is damn good content. Mm-hmm. And so if you tune in, you're going to be hooked. So it's not like we're going three hours. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I say this a lot, but hey, if you like what we're doing, we're doing this because we want to keep the show growing. And one of the ways to keep the show growing, the best way is for you that listen to the show to recommend it to one of your friends because they'll take you at your word. They'll give us a listen. We think that they will like what they hear. So if you like us, recommend us and leave us a rating. That's the best thing you can do to help us out. Secondly, 
check out our Patreon page. I mentioned that earlier, patreon.com slash top rope nation. And uh, yeah, we will be back next week. We're closing in on episode 100. So next week will be episode 98. So by the end of the month, guys, we're going to be hitting episode 100. Big century mark. So looking forward to that as well. Any big plans this weekend, fellas? Uh, I, I, I'm distracted. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Lita, Unforgiven 2005. <laughs> He's already watching it. Oh, man. She's she's looking pretty fantastic. <laughs> Kyle, big plans this weekend? Um, Not really, to be honest with you. Not a ton. Take Taking it easy this weekend. Going to finish up the backyard, which I'm sure is thrilling content for anyone listening. And then me and the missus are going to do something for Mother's Day. Yes, indeed. All of us will be treating our wives on Sunday. So, and then she wants to go to breweries, or we have like this brewery um, pass thing, this Cleveland thing, where you get like stamps if you go to all the, these different breweries. And she's like a few behind her friends, so she wants to catch up. I'm like, fine with me. You know? That sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Better than watching some shitty rom com or something like that. <laughs> well, you can wrap up Mother's Day with. The second to last episode of Game of Thrones. I know I'll be tuning in. I'll tell you, I'm going to wrap up Mother's Day, pal. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> we have to put a parental advisory on this broadcast now. In the closing moments, Kyle Ross takes us over the edge. I was talking about the second to last episode of Game of Thrones. I don't know what you're talking about. Get your mind out of the gutter, man. <laughs> on that note, hit us up on Twitter at Top Rope Nation. We're on Instagram, Facebook as well. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week, episode 98. Top Rope Nation, have a good weekend. <laughs>